wasn't so much wrong. I, I just oh, wasn't right what a moment. about God everything. Almighty. About the wild card. I just, there were things I just wasn't Just embrace it. Lean about. into it. It's liberating. I'm wrong every day. Wrong per se. I, I mean, I, am, I, I get something wrong every single day. It feels good to say, you know what? Self-deprecation goes a long way also. That felt good in that moment, didn't it? A little bit? No. What are you oh, my about? Lord. It feels good. Come on, counselor. What are you talking about? You know what I wasn't wrong about? The Buffalo Bills. Mike Tomlin probably wishes I was. His Pittsburgh Steelers lose to the Bills. The season's over. <laughs> what was more interesting, though, was what happened to Mike Tomlin with his press conference when Brooke Pryor tried to ask Mike Tomlin at the end of the press conference. It was going to be the last question. They said, does anybody have any more questions? Brooke Pryor, she starts asking one and she gets to, hey, coach, you've got a year left on your contract. And he walks off set, quite literally walks off stage and out the door. That was the, yes, exit stage, quite literally, actually, he exited stage left out that door. Press conference was over. Brooke Pryor didn't get an actual answer, but in not getting one, frankly, got a lot more of an answer than maybe he expected because the media storm has run wild after that. Let's bring in some help with the conversation around Pittsburgh. Jerry Dulac, Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. And Jerry, Tomlin did come out, according to reports, and tell his players today that he is planning to pl- to coach again next season for the Pittsburgh Steelers. What did you make of that moment at the press conference? Because it's so un-Tomlin-like. Well, what I made of it was one thing I've learned over the years. Um, it doesn't matter who the coach is. A lot of times when I hear about a coach blowing up or jumping on a reporter or whatever the case might be, or in this instance, walking away. I used to always say when I was told about it, who asked the question? And then when they would tell me who asked the question, I'd go, oh, because I'd understand that sometimes that in some instances that coach does it or a player, but in this instance, we'll stick with a coach. It isn't so much. They don't like the question. They might not like, one, the venue in which it's asked, or two, they don't like the person who asked the question. And that has been my history that I have observed over all the years when I see situations like that uh, arise. Now, I will also say Mike Tomlin is a person who does not, on in any circumstance, let anybody take a peek into what he is thinking, into his life, into his soul. He never did. He never will. And that was just another example. And to think, anyone to think, they were going to get that type of answer out of Mike Tomlin, especially in that venue after a playoff loss, uh, is, is naive to think that he is ever going to give anybody some type of answer like that that they are seeking. I was surprised at the reaction, though, because normally you would get, hey, it's in the time or place for that. But you didn't get that. You got an exit stage left. That didn't surprise you? No, uh, because um, I know Mike Tomlin. And, and look, I'm not saying that you're not right, because typically that's what we have seen. And, and um, you know, from, from most people. But there's just a lot, there's a lot of things he says and does that I don't quite understand, and I've been around him every day since day one. And uh, he is he is definitely different right down to the way he speaks. But like I said, the one thing I know most about him 
is that he does not give a peek into whatever he's thinking or his personal life. He never did, and he never will, especially to the media and especially on a stage like that. Jerry Dulac, Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, joining us here on Amber and Ian. So he didn't like the question, Jerry, but what Brooke was trying to get at was, of course, he's in the last year of his contract. Is he working on an extension with the team? And it would be unusual for him to be coaching in the last year of his contract after 17 winning years without having an extension in place. Do you see one coming? Have you heard any rumblings there? Why would he maybe have been frustrated about contract talk? Amber, he's not frustrated about contract talks because all along he knows he's getting an extension. He's due for an extension. The Steelers will offer him an extension. And so he would not go into the season as a lame duck. So he will get the contract extension in the spring unless he decides probably that he doesn't want it. So that is nothing new. Um, So all along, the Steelers plan. Art Rooney said, uh, Art Rooney II, the owner of the team, said a year or two ago, We would like Mike Tomlin to be our coach as long as Mike Tomlin wants to be our coach. And so um, that it has been their history to uh, always extend him. So he doesn't go into any season, um, you know, without, uh, you know, as a lame duck into a final year of his contract and he's going to get one this time. So there's no unhappiness. Mike Tomlin right now, because of Bill Belichick's departure and maybe even Pete Carroll. Now, Andy Reid might have him top. But Mike Tomlin is, is, is certainly among the top three paid coaches and probably the second highest paid coach in the NFL at approximately $11 million a year. I don't think he has a huge problem with that. And he will get an extension, and it's going to be up to him, according, according to those rumors that he refuted and told the players today do not believe them, um, that he is not thinking of walking away. He is not thinking of taking some time off. And he intends to come back next season, and the Steelers fully intend to give him a uh, contract extension. Music to my ears, because that dude is good for the game of football, especially when he is on that Steelers sideline. So, Jerry, now we turn to he's got to make some moves. Uh, Offensive coordinator and the future of Kenny Pickett, his first-round draft pick out of Pittsburgh uh, as the future of this team. What do you see as far as offensive coordinator, and what do you see in Kenny Pickett's future with that team? Well, Ian, let me answer answer the second part of it first because I have a better feel for that in that, you know, Kenny Pickett will come back next year as their starting uh, quarterback. They invested as a number one pick a lot in him, not necessarily money, but their belief in that he's the guy who's going to take them forward. And so he'll get one more year to prove that. Um, And so typically NFL teams don't last, uh, you know, more than three years with a guy – Uh, If they really think he's the franchise guy and they spend a number one pick on him, they're not going to go five years waiting to see if he's that guy. But he will come to training camp, despite what Mason Rudolph did, as the number one quarterback. And if if what occurred with Mason Rudolph occurred in September or October, Kenny Pickett would have gone back into the starting lineup because he's the starter. But because of the situation they were in, do or die, win or else, and Mason Rudolph all of a sudden had the offense looking like an NFL offense instead of what we've been watching all year, they were going to ride the hot hand, and he provided it. But that won't change what will happen next year in terms of Kenny Pickett. So he will go to camp as their number one quarterback. Now, as for the offensive coordinator, you know, if you want to look at what they've done these last four games, as an audition for Mike Sullivan, who calls the plays, who is the offensive coordinator. 
um, then you'd have to say, well, it wasn't a bad audition. But I don't know that they want to stay in that direction. It's no reflection on Mike Sullivan. I think they'll try to go outside the organization, and I say that because their past couple hires have all been internal promotions, and they've moved on from those pretty quickly. So I don't know that they want to go in that direction again. Um, I think they will probably go outside, but it's way too early for me to tell you anybody they're looking at because they have not started that process. Uh, I'm sure it will start maybe maybe tomorrow, uh, and it could be Mike Sullivan. I just don't think that's the direction they are going to go, and it's no reflection on Mike. I think it's just what they feel they need to do. Uh, but uh, beyond that, I can't tell you what they would be looking for uh, other than they probably want to get somebody somebody who, um, you know, they when they drafted Kenny Pickett, the big issue for them, what they wanted and why they drafted him, and even why they signed Mitch Trubisky over Mason Rudolph, was they wanted an athletic mobile quarterback and they want to use a lot of motion. So with that in mind, um, I, I think those would be, you know, some of the prerequisites for the type of person they would bring in to kind of maximize what, what it is that they think they have or feel they have with their quarterback. Jerry Dulag, he writes for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Thanks so much for your time, Jerry. Well, Amber, you are welcome. Always good chatting with you. You as well. Coming up next here on Amber and Ian, we got to go back to the collapse that was the Philadelphia Eagles. ESPN Radio is also on the ESPN app. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. The Eagles have not just been beat. They have been taken apart. They have been just brought to the knees by the Tampa Bay Bucks. You see what the team was, and you see how the team ended and the slide that we had, and, and there was no stopping. So it's very frustrating. So it's a wild business we're in, and nobody's safe. I know there's a difference between what players and coaches say and what they feel. And they said all the right things, but you can tell they weren't feeling it. And it was obvious when they came out here and took the field. The Eagles started the season 10-1, and coming off of a Super Bowl appearance. At that point... You couldn't have imagined Nick Sirianni's job would be in jeopardy. And yet, it appears that maybe it is because of what happened down the stretch for the Philadelphia Eagles and what happened last night against the Tampa Bay Bucks. Happening tonight, right now, to keep you updated on live action. 
The Philadelphia 76ers are leading the Denver Nuggets 99 to 92 in this matchup that we basically just make the Jokic and Bead matchup because we get to see the two best centers in the league go at it head to head in this matchup, but this has been a close game all the way through. So we will keep you updated on the live action here on Amber and Ian. Amber and Ian presented to you by Progressive Insurance. But let's talk about this collapse of Philadelphia, Ian, because it's gotten very messy. And it's gotten messy because of how the regular season ended and also because they can't tackle whatsoever for whatever reason is what we learned last night against Tampa. Yeah, even when you switch defensive coordinators and you bring Matt Patricia uh, from an analyst from up in the booth down on the field, former Detroit Lion head coach, uh, obviously defensive coordinator in New England for multiple Super Bowls, it still didn't work. I mean, it Not was, just the defensive coordinator yeah. in New England, by the way. <laughs> I mean, it just, well, good point. He, he, <laughs> he was part of the crew that ruined Mac Jones. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, very, very well done there, Amber. And I, I, kind of, I think even New England fans are going, Duh. like Kevin Winter, if he's driving right now, right? I mean, our Sports Center update anchor and, and play by play guy, he, he damn near probably wrecked the, his car into a ditch when you just <laughs> reminded everybody of Matt Patricia and Joe Judge calling plays last year. But, I mean, it, it was it was a disaster after going 10-1. and one, Some injuries hit. Jalen Hurts was not himself. He, I mean, that, that knee was not right. And then he obviously hurts the hand. But, man, that doesn't explain what happened up front of that offensive line, especially on the left side. I think Lane Johnson is still one of the best right tackles in football, and Jason Kelsey is one of the best centers in football. But it, it just it didn't make a lot of sense. And then defensively, try to figure that thing out. I mean, they, they could, as you mentioned, they couldn't tackle. Trey Palmer embarrassed not, not one, not two, but three guys. Now, Trey Palmer's a rookie who was on the 2019 LSU National Championship team with you know Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase and that ridiculous wide receiving core and part of all the weapons that Joe Burrow had at his disposal. Arguably the best team to ever win it all uh, in the CFP era. I think they were the best team to ever win it all in the college football playoff or BCS era. But he leaves LSU, goes to Nebraska, is a 1,000-yard receiver at Nebraska, falls to the sixth round, Bucks scoop him up, and he embarrassed not one, not two, but three Philadelphia Eagle defensive backs. And oh, by the way, they're their age, 31, 30, and 31. That's a problem. So Howie Roseman's got to revamp that secondary, revamp the offensive line, get your quarterback healthy, and with Jason, especially with Jason Kelsey telling his teammates uh, by all reports that he is retiring and, and the next stop for him is Canton. But also, now you've got to worry about your coordinators. What do you do there? If you do keep Nick Sirianni, which I probably would, but I'm also having a conversation, if you're Harry Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie, with a guy like Jason Kelsey, and going, hey, does Sirianni still have that room? And if he gives you an emphatic yes, then you're keeping him. But you've got to switch those coordinators. Because Brian Johnson, when the, the league got a book on him as a play caller, at 10-1, and one, you saw the results. 1-6 in the last seven, seven games, including what we saw last night. So Philadelphia right now is a team in flux, and there's a hell of a lot more questions right now than they have answers. I get that standards are standards, no depending what market you're in, and that's one of those markets that the standard is going to be sky high because the voices are so loud and the fan base is so passionate, and that might be putting it mildly. I understand that. But this is always hard for me when I have to have these conversations 
from a fan base that is now throwing popcorn at the head coach and calling for his firing and fans that are in the stands at Raymond James holding up signs, fire Nick Sirianni when they were just in a Super Bowl less than a calendar year ago, right? I mean, that man had gotten them to a Super Bowl. That man, by the way, is the one who came in just a few short years ago and put together a staff that was Shane Steichen and was Gannon and looked like an incredibly good staff. And by the way, was, or those guys would not have been plucked for other head coaching jobs where they then went on to look still like very good hires. So there are things with Nick Sirianni that you're talking in a few short years about a conference championship, a Super Bowl appearance. They move on from Carson once he gets the most out of Jalen Hurts. It's been a heck of a run here in a short career. And yet, I understand. I understand what happened after the 10-1 and start. But it feels spoiled to me when you do consider the overall body of work. If in that situation, we could even fathom moving on from him already. And I heard Dan Orlovsky today, and he knows a lot more football and X's and O's than, of course, I ever could. And he broke down film. And he was showing the atrocious play calling on the Eagles from an offensive perspective and just the routes that the receivers were running and they're just running downfield and they're not even looking at the quarterback and the Bucks defense and the way they're keyed in and that Jalen isn't even finding the guy where the, the one DB is playing off him. Everybody else is in man coverage on. He's breaking down this whole thing, just basically about how bad the game plan was from Sirianni and his staff. And I understand that from that perspective, if you want to get into the X's and O's, there probably are problems there because, of course, we saw the results. And I've been one who has been hypercritical of the Eagles overall, even all last season, even on their Super Bowl run. I kind of felt like the chips fell where they fell. They had an easy way to get to the Super Bowl, a path that we'd never seen before, where they're even facing a 49ers team that has Christian McCaffrey throwing passes for them. And they find themselves in a Super Bowl and, frankly, hung with the Chiefs way better than I ever thought they were going to because I didn't think that team was as good as it ended up being. Then you roll into this season and I thought there's no way they can sustain that momentum. And they caught me off guard with the 10 and one start. They really did because I really did think that they were going to take a step back losing the starters that they lost and losing both coordinators. And then they did in fact take a step back. But that all is reasonable when you look at the overall body here. I, I, I would, I just, I feel like it would be asinine to already move on at this point from Sirianni. Well, he moved on from Doug Peterson just a few years after he did win a Super Bowl. I so, I mean, it's I, I'm fascinated to see what happens. And don't take it from us. Here's Lane Johnson, Pro Bowl right tackle for, for the Philadelphia Eagles, talking about how changes he knows and that team knows is a coming. You see what this team was and you see how the team ended and the slide that we had and, and there was no stopping. So it's very frustrating. So it's a wild business we're in. I mean, everybody's, nobody's safe. We'll see what happens. You know, if this is Kelsey's last game or any of the guys, I was trying to give it everything I had. So it's frustrating. But is it embarrassing, Lane? Oh, the way yeah. this, yeah. how embarrassing is it? Uh, you know, it's very embarrassing. You go from, you know, 10 and 1 to losing last, well, like the 6 or the 7 or whatever we did. And, you know, we've done all the press conferences, we've done all the, you know, explaining, trying to instill, I get corrected. So. You know, there's probably going to be some changes. It's frustrating. You know, hopefully, as long as I'm playing, I don't have to be a part of something like this again. Man, that dude is still playing at a very high level. Ten years in, the pride of the Oklahoma Sooners. But we, uh, Kelsey's going to be gone. What do you do with Brandon Graham, who's in, what, his 12th year? Fletcher Cox feels like he's been there 30 years and still playing at a high mm-hmm. level. 
You know, but I mean, he's older now. That secondary, as we as we talked about, is also older. Outside of Ringo from from Georgia, I mean, they they've got a lot to try and and sort out. And again, it all starts with the head coach. What do you do? I, I'm with you, Amber. I would not move on from Sirianni, but you got to make some changes at your coordinator spots, and then you got to revamp yeah. the the especially the back end of that roster. I think making changes to your staff is a reasonable expectation because of where the expectations are set when you're in that market. But man, I mean, I root for a team that hasn't won a playoff game, a playoff game since what, 2001? We have the longest streak in the NFL, a playoff game. And Mike McDaniel took us to a Super Bowl last season. I'd say build a statue out front of the stadium at this point for that man. That's the difference in fan bases. And to me, this is another example of a fan base that is so incredibly spoiled by the success. Coming up next here on Amber and Ian, we'll tell you what's a big deal and what's not a big deal. ESPN Radio is also on the ESPN app. Divisional weekend is upon us. Texans at Ravens. That game we will have Saturday, 4.30 p.m. Eastern. You can watch it on ESPN, on ABC, and on ESPN+. Plus. Amber and Ian presented by Progressive. You can find him at Ian Fitz ESPN. You can find me as well at Amber W Sports. James Steele, he is our producer at JSteel56. Why did I just screw? Why do I get nervous every time I get near that number? Why is it 56 again? Uh, Lawrence Taylor? No. In high school, that was my uh, football number. Oh, wow. I really thought it was going to be a better story than that. No. Okay. I was a center, Northern Camera High School. Oh, look at you. Did Shout you, out Northern Cambridge. Letter? Were you varsity? Yeah, a did times. you letter? Yeah, a couple times. Look at you. I started. Who knew that you had such an illustrious football career, James Steele? Let's play some big deal, not a big deal. It's making headlines. Extra, extra, read all about it. But is it a big deal or not a big deal with Amber and Ian? And James Steele, oh. former varsity athlete. Yeah, um, only the smartest people uh, play center, right? Is that right? That is true. That is what they say. The further away from the ball, the smart. Which you is are. maybe you explaining there why you, you didn't make it. Big brain, large brain. No, I was I was little, uh, and also not very athletic. Okay, so <laughs> it's a bad combo. Yeah, it's, uh, see, I wasn't as big as I was now. Like I'm like two thirty now. Back in high school, I was like a buck seventy. So playing center. Yeah, I cheated a lot. Lots of holding. <laughs> Lots of holding. <laughs> your your high school football team could it, it not have been very good. Uh, we we were five and five. Yeah, not Average. terrible. Okay. Yeah. I think I think my high school football team we won. won. The, we won the coal bowl. Well, we got to move I on think, in a hurry. I think my game. <laughs> I think my bucket? team won like yeah. two games my entire four years. Yeah, see, so we my, had like one of the high worst. school is better than your high school. There, yes, well, every high school was better than my high school. In football, we, we were bomb at baseball. I digress. Keep going, James. Right. Big deal, not a big deal. So uh, the Rams visited the Lions in the uh, wild card round in the playoffs. And uh, not a very warm uh, welcome to former Lion Matthew Stafford. Uh, Kelly Stafford, uh, his wife, said the booing wasn't just at her husband. Uh, she said her children were booed. And she was also booed uh, by the home crowd. On her Instagram story, Kelly Stafford commented on the fan response to her and her family's return to Detroit. Quote, sports. The city wants to win. Everything is fair game, except the fans who booed my children. 
Um, Stafford gave more explanation to the situation on her the morning after podcast. When asked about it, she said she didn't expect a standing ovation for her husband, especially since he won a Super Bowl ring with the Rams after leaving Detroit. Ian, big deal, not a big deal that uh, the fans were not very welcoming of Matthew Stafford and his family. Yeah, I mean, it's a big deal because, look, Kelly didn't play. I mean, there's a kid's. She described the walk from the side, the Detroit sideline where she was talking to Martha Ford, owner of the Lions, to the Rams sideline, and the, the crowd just rained booze upon her and her kids. Come on, man. This woman, Amber, when my brother was there coaching with the Lions for six years, Matthew Stafford and Kelly would go and take books to schools, and inner city schools, that, to schools that, and kids that really couldn't afford them, and, and take books and whatnot and gear and read to them. On their off day, and you're booing the, the, the that mom and those kids. Stafford, he's fair game. He's in the public eye, but to boo the wife and the children, Detroit, you're so much better than that. Especially for that family that gave so much to that city. I mean, that's that to me. That's that's embarrassing. That's what that is. I- I, the only kind of weird thing about this is like art, like where they they were booing. I guess they were booing the family, right? I guess, I guess yeah. we're like saying that they're booing the children. I mean, I feel like they were also apparently they were booing Kelly Stafford, and Kelly Stafford did say that she told her kids, "No, they're booing mommy. They're right. not booing you know you guys." Which I, I I would like to think that the fans were not in fact booing actual children that they were trying to direct Why that would apparently you boo the wife? at Kelly Stafford. But I don't really understand that either. Now she's a very vocal wife, right? Isn't she, doesn't she have a podcast? And she she's kind of like this. in yeah, the limelight. The and, yeah. 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 She's got a big podcast. I, I think she's like best friends with Aaron Andrews and Carissa Thompson. She's like a bit, you know, she's big in the mix or whatever. So maybe because she's visible and I don't know. I, I don't know a ton about her. They were, I know the kids were wearing really cute jackets. Well, at least one of them was. I saw a picture that said Detroit born, LA raised, which yeah. I thought, which I thought was cute unless some of the Lions fans took issue with that somehow. I don't know how you would uh. have. I don't understand why you're even booing Matthew Stafford though. So that's really where I don't like they're the family. Kelly Stafford's like, oh, it's fine. If you want to boo my husband, that's fine. And Matthew Stafford said that. Like, if you want to boo me when I run on the field, that's fine. Don't boo my family. Okay, but like, why the hell are they even booing you? Because you gave everything to that franchise while you were there. He was not at all the reason that they didn't do the winning while he was there. He gave years and years and years of his life to that franchise and everything he had. He didn't have the pieces around him. And yes, the Lions are winning now, but we are years and years removed from the time of Matthew Stafford's tenure there. So I have no idea why Detroit would be anything less than grateful for the years that Matthew Stafford did hang in there because he's proved to himself to be a very good quarterback. And the Lions fans should appreciate that they had that dude under center for as long as that they did. Uh, yeah, a little overzealous. I've been, I, I would imagine that if it was a regular season game and they were, uh, he was coming back to Detroit, they wouldn't have booed him at all. I think they were just I, I a little mean, I excited. Hope, I, gosh, I, I hope not. I every hope they're just booing him because he's on a, the other team. Every Lion fan was a Ram fan a couple of years ago when they were in the Super Bowl. They were rooting for Matthew Stafford. You would think they were. So. Yeah, I just a little. I think they were a little overzealous. All right, uh, let's move on here. Uh, Baltimore Ravens tight end Mark Andrews made a leaping grab at Tuesday's practice, giving the team increased hope that he could play in the postseason. This was Andrews' second practice since being designated to return off the IR. He suffered a major left ankle injury in the Ravens' thirty-four to twenty victory over the Bengals on November sixteenth. 
Andrews was a limited participant in Tuesday's practice. Quote, today was his best showing so far, Ravens head coach John Harbaugh said. He really took a big step, just what you saw today. We all saw as well, so that's encouraging. Asked if Andrews could play in Saturday's divisional playoff game against the Houston Texans. Harbaugh said, we'll just have to see how it goes. Uh, that game uh, on ESPN, ABC, ESPN Plus, 4.30 p.m. Eastern on Saturday. Amber, big deal, not a big deal that the Ravens might get Mark Andrews back. Uh, I don't know, deal. I, I mean, what can you expect from Andrews after the surgery, after how long he's been out? I mean, it's great to see him, that he's getting closer. He had a big leaping grab at practice yesterday. That's a big deal, fine. But what can you really expect from him coming into a divisional round, Ian, and in do-or-die situations. Yes, he was Lamar Jackson's favorite target before, but Lamar has found some other targets here on that team. And the team has been cooking, frankly, without him. So ultimately, is it a big deal? Sure, I'm not trying to take anything away from the presence of Andrews. I just feel it's hard to come back from injury into this particular situation. I don't know how effective it can be immediately, is my point. Uh, he only played in 10 games, and he had 544 yards and six touchdowns and averaged over 12 yards a catch. Hell yeah, it's an enormous deal to me because all hands on deck. And if you get another weapon to go along with Zay Flowers and everything else they've got, yeah. I mean, they're chasing one thing, and that's a Lombardi. As the, the team with the best record in football, it's not a big deal to me. It's an enormous deal if if Lamar Jackson gets his whoopee back. Miami Heat forward Jimmy Butler, six-time All-Star, five-time uh, All-NBA player, and possibly a country music star? What? In a Tuesday interview with The Guardian, Butler told Claire DeLune that he has written about 60 Six zero sixty country songs for an album to be released at an indeterminate future time. Quote, there are so many people out there, and I'm one of them, that are like, man, I can do that. And you really don't know how difficult it is to make a number one song, Butler said. Humble yourself. It is incredibly fun. I've had a blast while doing it, but I will tell you that it's not easy. Ian, big deal, not a big deal, that Jimmy <laughs> Butler is going to release a country music album. I think it's a fabulous deal. I'm going to go a different route there. But what's going on in Miami? I'm going to defer this to to Amber Wilson, who's, who's a diehard Heat fan and Fish fan. you got Tyreek Hill openly talking about, in retirement, he wants to be an adult film star. And mm-hmm. now you've got Jimmy Butler talking about writing 60 country songs, and he's going to be a country music singer. Yeah. Um, Wow. Probably a little easier to be the former rather than the latter. But this is actually not a surprising deal to me because Jimmy Butler is known for loving country music. He blasted in the locker rooms. He players have talked about this for years that none of them because country not so big in NBA circles, Ian. Right. And a lot of NBA players have talked about or, 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 well, generally down there, that's true. But then also in the NBA circles. And so a lot of NBA players are saying they never really heard country or, or been exposed to much country before Jimmy Butler. And so then they start buying into that genre of music. Jimmy's kind of made it his shtick. You know, he goes to the country concerts. He rocks the cowboy hats. He does the thing. Jimmy's smart. He's incredibly smart at branding. He's got the coffee brand that he started, the big face coffee that he started all from during the pandemic when they were uh, living in that bubble and, and down in Orlando and he was serving people coffee and charging players 20 bucks a pop for his coffee. He rolled it into an entire business. 
business. He like flies around the world studying coffee. Now he's this huge coffee connoisseur snob. He's doing the same thing here now, turning himself into a country music artist. It's very Jimmy Butler. That's awesome. If you know Jimmy Butler, I think it's so awesome. This dude is jack of all trades. He gets branding. He gets being a superstar. He gets that it's not just all about what he does on the basketball court. Smart move by him. But what's funny about the quote that James just read is he said how difficult it is to make a number one song. Uh, yo, like Jimmy, the, if you made a number one song, boss, you haven't released any of the 60 that, that you've written. Maybe cart before the horse a bit. Like, let's let's release <laughs> well, a song or two. Top then we'll 100, see. right? Let's, let's crack, you know, a Rolling Stone's top 100 list or Billboard, yeah, right? Like, let's, and then, and then, let's start yeah, small. We'll we work go. our way up to, to number one hit. Uh, I was in a band. Uh, I recorded an album one time. Of so anyone so. really can do it. And one time at Bandcamp? <laughs> uh, real quick, this one is... One, one and done, it sounds like. This one is for just for me. Uh, Marc-Andre Fleury took sole possession of second place with his 552nd win last night. Uh, and he sh- it was his 74th career shutout, too. And the Wild beat the Islanders 5-0 on Monday. Quote, I'm glad it's over. We can stop talking about it, Fleury said in his on-ice interview after the game. It's about time we got one, but it's an honor to be here in Minnesota, to be in front of fans. They've been great. So that's awesome. You're about to ask me if this is a big deal because yeah. I think Mark Andre Fleury, Mark Andre Fleury, one of uh, a, a Pittsburgh Penguins legend. He's royalty. Mm-hmm. Three Stanley Cups there. Yeah, big deal, not a big deal. Big he deal. is now number deal. two yeah. all time in hockey yeah. history. Big deal and wins. Well, it's obviously a big deal, and it's also the reason that you put this in here because you think it's a very big deal, and that's why flower. you wanted to bring it to everybody's attention. Flowers the best. Is it also a big deal that Cincinnati beat uh, TCU by more than three? Four-point win in overtime? That's a big deal for me. (laughs) I wonder why. (laughs) Coming up next here on Amber and Ian, uh, we'll get you an update on Sixers Nuggets. Plus, we've got plenty more NFL to break down. ESPN Radio is also on the ESPN app. Till your hands bleed. With Amber Wilson, I'm Ian Fitzsimmons. We are 44-23-2 on the year. And bet to your hands bleed. We gave you Kansas State minus one against Baylor earlier. They are tied right now midway. Well, about six minutes to go in the second half at Kansas State. And right now we're going to give you OKC. Give me the thunder at the Clippers. Now plus six and a half on ESPN bet. You can get it up to seven. I love OKC in this spot. Why? Because everybody's on the clips. Give me the thunder. Bet to your hands bleed. It's story time with Ian Fitzsimmons. We are going to get to an Ian Fitzsimmons story time in just a moment, but I want to give you a quick update here on the matchup between Jokic and Embiid. So right now, uh, Embiid's team getting... The better of them, 123 to 115 over the Denver Nuggets. Uh, in terms of the individual stats of these guys, I just lost my screen. Here we go. Uh, Jokic, 25 points, 11 of 18. Uh, Joel Embiid, 40 points, 13 for 20. So at least in terms of those He's categories, back and forth. Embiid. Great game. But yeah, this game has been a great game, uh, been a close game the entire way through. There is uh, just under 3.30 left in the fourth as it comes down to the wire here. Ian Fitzsimmons, you had some metal, speaking of wires, put in your mouth. I don't know how to transition. Uh, Put in your mouth. (laughs) Not not wires. Hold on a minute. You have perfect teeth. It's never an enjoyable experience. You you, you have uh, described your teeth to us after I had to go to the dentist this morning 
for an emergency crown that I cracked an old crown on Friday and obviously holiday weekend. So the earliest they can get me in was this morning. So you actually had to go to the doc this morning also. You were a little volume mm-hmm. earlier. If we could have done this show around two, that would have been spectacular. Oh, look, a butterfly. I mean, it would have been, was a little, Amber was a little on drugs would be, I mean, just pure entertainment. But I, I go I, to... I, I, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, I, I really didn't... I did not fully consider it, I will admit. Uh, when I, like, connected for the show, I was like, oh, right. Like, I didn't... Still when I was cobwebs. agreeing to work today, you know, I probably should have taken today off. I didn't really think about the whole, like, like you get the, what the meds were going to do. Like when you get yeah, a concussion, right? You, you, you get a concussion yeah, we protocol, and they call it, you want all the snowflakes to settle. You still had a couple <laughs> snowflakes out there that hadn't quite settled yet, right? In the old dome. Let's get some caffeine in here. Let's get some coffee going. Let's, let's try and focus for a little bit. But anyway, so I had a 9 a.m. appointment, uh, and I hate going to the dentist. I can't stand it. I watched the movie Marathon Man with Dustin Hoffman when I was a kid, and it terrified me. So there's been two dentists in my life that I trust. George Sigurnis, Jorge in Columbus, Ohio. And then Reed Slaughter here in Dallas. I mean, they're the only ones that I walk in and my blood pressure is truly not through the roof. And they have to, don't have to put a, that pampoose on me like that doctors had to do with kids back in the day. Well, I go in this morning and they, they're, they, first of all, they, you know, they numb you up. And then all of a sudden he looks at me and goes, you want the gas? Gas? What, what are you talking about, man? What do you mean do you want the gas? Nitrous. Like what? So I had no idea in the last like three or four years that now dentists can go ahead and just drug your ass and just Isn't put that you, just laughing gas. Put you under like the yeah, but it relaxes have... you. Trust me, I got rela- I got I me. Mean, I took a nap. I mean, it was like I thought, I, mean, I thought dentists have always had that. I thought that was the thing is the laughing gas at dentists. And it gets you a little saucy. So. Never had nitrous in my life. I mean, they put the little thing over you and the hose. I mean, on your mm-hmm. nose, breathe in and out, breathe inhale, exhale out of, out of your schnauz. I mean, so that did, that was an interesting experience, which leads to the rest of it. Then they give me these glasses, like for shrapnel. They put these mm-hmm. sunglasses on. I'm like, okay, what do I need the sunglasses for? Shrapnel. Now, I've known Reed a long time, so he's laughing at me. I mean, like, not with me, at me. So there we go. So we got the glasses on. We got the nitrous going. Now we're numbed, and then it begins. Now, I, don't, I really truly believe that every dentist out there, whether you know them, a family friend, a friend, a family member, whatever, or a complete stranger, they truly believe that you can't hear them because of the that's going on in your mouth. So he's talking to his assistant, Norma, who's awesome, and it sounds like they're speaking in code, almost like a football audible, where it's, you know, uh, we have an 83 here or 82 on 14 and 12. Ready, break. Blue you're 42, he- blue 42. Yeah, yeah, you're hearing all of this, and you kind of like, you're kind of, he's got, you know, some Chris Stapleton playing in the background. I mean, you're, 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 you're under the gas. Yeah, it feels like, you know, that moment of Bull Durham, right, when Abby Calvin Nucleus says, you know, uh, don't think me, just give me the gas. Well, they did, and now you're overhearing all of this, and you got some music in the background, and you're wondering, what the hell does an AE3 or an AD2 mean? What What is 14 and 12? Why are you talking about 13? What in the hell is going on between these two people as they are drilling the ever-loving hell out of your tooth? And then he tells me, oh, hey, if you have any pain, uh, raise your left hand. So now I'm taking my left hand out of my jacket, right? Like, okay, because we are remarkably now uncomfortable. 
So we have got the glasses on for shrapnel. We're under the gas. We're numb. They're talking in code. They're calling audibles. And then all of a sudden it hits. I got to pee. Oh, no. Now what do you do? Now you're in a pickle, right? Because they told now me this is a three-hour three procedure. Now, to, is this a rookie mistake? Did you not know? I mean, you knew it was going to be a three-hour procedure. So did you not Did you not take care of business I, I, before you no, went in the chair? No. Because, oh. one, I had totally forgotten that it was a three-hour procedure once they gave me the gas. I'm like, no, I'm all relaxed I, I think now, they should have mentioned good. it. Right. That might have been bad on you. I feel like they should have mentioned, uh, Mr. Fitzsimmons, do you want to use the restroom before we get started? In a three-hour procedure where you're yes. high as a kite, right? I mean, yeah, right. I mean, that would have been nice. That would have been, that, thank you. I'm, you know, I'm texting him right now because uh, right when we get done <laughs> because that would have been a nice little tip. So glasses on for shrapnel, nitrous hit, numbed, talking in code. We got damn audibles going on. I, I got to pee. Right. I mean, it's like, you. what do you do? Do you raise your left hand and, and say, you know, I got to get up. But then walking into, I mean, to the bathroom would have been very interesting under the right. gas. Right. So, yeah, that seems problematic, by the way, from a liability perspective for them. as I mean, I'm always thinking like a lawyer. <laughs> right. If I'm ever in a situation where I can't pee to, I automatically have to pee. Okay. Well, I held it for about an hour. And then, then they give you the reversal, the oxygen to bring you off the nitrous, the reversal mm-hmm. for the numbing part, which I'm, uh, it, now I'm really feeling it. Jaws hurting. First thing I did, I didn't even say thank you, goodbye, nothing. You know what? I mean, right to the head. And then, again, another trying hard experience because of the movie marathon man when i was a kid another journey to the dentist for an emergency crown replacement ends in well almost a debacle keyword Even when i lay down at night i i like i i think i get in my head about it right like do you have to go do you have to go you want to make sure and man in that situation i would be lost 